This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Drew Everhart. Welcome back. Kind of a weird week in the world of basketball. We had a lot of different stuff happening. We got some rules going on. Some coaching carousel. I'm not going to get into all of it. Just the main one. Uh, we got retirements. Uh, we have people presenting in the Hall of Fame. Even have a movie review for you guys. We'll get into that later. But let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, so this week the NCAA officially passed the rule for it's now all sports. I think it was before it was all but six sports were able to do this. Players are automatically eligible to play right after they train transfer for the first time if they do it a second time it goes back to the way it was you have to wait a year and all that fun stuff if you're a transfer but um i don't know how to feel about this because it was actually something that dick vital actually tweeted out and i kind of agree with him which you won't hear me say that very often i'm not a big fan of vital but he said that um it's just gonna mess up like the whole thing of college basketball that people are gonna be transferring over and over no repercussion really because i mean you're pretty much it's just like transferring schools i mean you're just gonna go and you're gonna just start anew like that but at least that it's only for the first time so if you do it multiple times you do have to wait which I'm okay with, but I honestly don't know how to feel about this. So it's just going to take time to see how it is because it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things where on paper it seems fine, but once it's actually implemented and it starts happening, I feel like it's going to get abused, which is something that won't be fun for college basketball, but we'll see. Next up, we got even more news from the coaching carousel, although it's kind of been a slow week for coaching carousel. At the same time, not, but compared to the past couple weeks, it is. Um, Arizona officially hired a Gonzaga assistant, Tommy Lloyd. Interesting hire. I don't know much about Lloyd and what he's done, but Gonzaga seems like a good place to get coaches from. They've been probably the most consistent team over the past 20 years because I believe a couple weeks ago, right before the tournament started, I said that I think they made it, they made the tournament 20 of 21 years, which is insane. But hopefully um, Lloyd will be able to turn around Arizona, which means they're not in a bad place right now. They're just unable to go to the tournament for one more year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, congratulations, Tommy Lloyd. And um, I'm, I, I wish I would be able to say I'd want, I would watch it, but man, basketball on the West Coast, it's tough to watch. That's why the Pac-12 is so underrated because like all their games pretty much on the West Coast are at 10 o'clock because that's 7 o'clock on the, on the coast. So, I don't know. I wish I'd say I'd be able to watch it. I might catch a couple games. So, next up, uh, unfortunately, LaMarcus Aldridge has decided to retire. I remember first seeing the tweet of it. And, again, I saw it from Adam Schefter, <laughs> which was like, okay, this is probably serious. Again, like, if a report from another st- sport starts reporting on your sport, um, it means big news. But when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's really weird because just got bought out from the Spurs. Went to the Nets, and um, Nets were doing pretty good with them. I mean, Nets were probably going to be fine either way, with or without them, but they were still doing great with them. And um, he put out a statement where he felt, in the last game that he played, he felt in a regular heartbeat. This is a problem we don't see too often in not just basketball, in sports in general, but the ones that I specifically know that are in basketball. Um, once that happens, you don't want to have anything more happen, so it's best for them to retire we there's been so many players that there's been two high caliber players that have died from having heart problems and continuing to play basketball of course we have hank gathers who if you don't know um quick google search 
there's probably really great videos on. I know there's a great 30 for 30 on that team of Loyola Marymount, but um, Hank Gathers, he was a star at Loyola Marymount, and he had a, uh, he had, I can't remember the name of the condition right now, but he had a heart condition, and at one point during a conference tournament game, he fainted, fell really hard, and uh, he got up kind of immediately. It was kind of close to. He got there kind of, he got up kind of immediately. I think he lay there for, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute, maybe longer. I'd have to go back and watch the doc on it. But um, he went to a hospital after that, and he unfortunately passed away from it. And the other one, Reggie Lewis. I believe Reggie Lewis, he had a large heart. He had a regularly sized heart. And he fainted in a playoff game. Nothing really came of it. Well, something came of it. He went to the hospital, and a doctor said, you're risking your life if you play basketball again. Unfortunately, didn't take it as seriously as he should have, and he fainted and died in a practice facility of the Boston Celtics as he was warming up in the offseason. So, and with this, we just don't want to see anything like this happen again. There's been plenty, of, it's, again, it's one of the cruel things in sports that you just have to deal with. Life always finds its way in there. You can try to block out regular life as much as possible, but unfortunately, that's going to come back to bite you. And I'm sorry for LaMarcus Aldridge. He had one heck of a career. He's not done with basketball. He's done playing, but he's not done with basketball he has so much more to offer probably become a coach because he's one of the most underrated players in the modern era I would say because he he was really good in Portland but Portland wasn't really the market where he was getting looked at that much goes to San Antonio does really good in San Antonio alongside Tim Duncan and David West was there at the time and he did really good but still it just seems like San Antonio isn't kind of that market where you're really going to be noticed like that so uh, heck of a career to LaMarcus Aldridge and I can't wait to see what he does in the future. So next up we have Hall of Fame presenters. They were announced on Thursday. I gotta be honest, it's been a busy week. I wasn't able to do all the research on everyone that is inducted into the hall and who is going to present, but I have, I'm just gonna list them off and then I'm gonna go over the highlights. So for Patrick Bauman, he will be presented by Russ Granick and Vladi Divac. Russ Granick was the former deputy commissioner, I believe, because he used to do the uh, lottery back in the day. So I believe he was a deputy commissioner at one point. And Vladi Divac, he probably has something to do with Bauman. I have, I'm not sure who Bauman is specifically. I'm sorry, I wasn't able to research this. It's getting close to finals, and uh, we're really cranking it up here at Trine. Got to focus on that for a little bit. Um, the big one that everyone talks about is that Kobe Bryant will be presented by Michael Jordan. It's really the only person you could do it with. I mean, because Michael's always said it, that, like, Kobe is his little brother. Kobe did everything he could to emulate MJ's game, did a really good job at doing it. The only thing is that he was chasing the sixth ring, wasn't able to get it, unfortunately. But Kobe, man, it's, it's still one of those things where you really can't believe that he's gone. And I know for sure I'm going to tune in to the Hall of Fame. I believe it's May 25th. Be sure to tune in to the Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony because the, that Kobe one is going to be very emotional, and I really want to see what Michael does to it. It'll probably be about the same as he was at Kobe's uh, Celebration of Life in Staples Center. But 
MJ, he's going to be amazing in that presentation. Next, we have uh, Tamika Catchings, who will be presented by Alonzo Mourning and Don Staley. I don't know much about Don Staley, but I, I believe, I would assume Alonzo's in there because Tamika Catchings is one of the best post players to ever play in the NBA. One of the best, the WNBA, one of the best players to ever play in the WNBA. For the Fever, I wish I was old enough to watch her when she was with the fever i'm glad tamika's in the hall i don't think anyone is more deserving than her because of what she did at tennessee and what she did in wnba next up tim duncan is going to be presented by uh, the admiral who else can you put i mean you could have done like greg popovich but i feel like the admiral makes sense because him and tim timmy d they were a really good tandem when they were winning their championships in the 1999 finals and next up kevin garnett will be presented by isaiah thomas um I'll be honest, I've been trying to find why Isaiah would present KG in. I don't see where they're tied at all. Uh, Isaiah wasn't KG's GM ever. KG never played in Detroit. I, I don't know. I'm scratching my head on this one. I mean, good on Ray Allen, but Ray Allen doesn't have a best relationship with those Celtics anymore because he went to Miami. So, I don't know. Why Isaiah Thomas? no idea. Next up, Kim Mulkey will be presented by MJ. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not really sure who Kim Mulkey is, but MJ gonna have to do two presentations he's gonna do great next up barbara stevens will be induct will be presented by gino ariyama and muffin mcgraw two great coaches i'm not saying that they're they're not two great women's coaches they are two great coaches in the game put them in anywhere else they're still gonna be just as successful those two have been great muffin mcgraw of course coaching in notre dame for the women for a long time until Neil Ivy took over, and Gino Ariema has been at UConn for what seems like forever, and they've won, I don't know, a million games, so that'll be a good presentation. Next up, Eddie Sutton will be presented by John Calipari, Bill Self, and Sidney Moncrief. I'm not sure what's going on there, but those are three really great guys, so we'll see what the presentation is. And then Rudy Tomjanovich will be presented by Calvin Murphy and Hakeem Olajuwon. Makes sense. Rudy Tomjanovich and Calvin Murphy, I believe they were teammates on the Rockets, so that makes sense. And Hakeem, I think Rudy might have, he was either the coach or the GM for the Rockets when Hakeem was there. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I truly only know Rudy Tomjanovich for um, the Kermit Washington punch, which you haven't seen that. Watch that at your own discretion. That is rough. That was, I don't know. I bought the book on that, so I'll be able to read the book on that but there was also a documentary that i watched on it. i can't really find it anywhere but man that was a rough punch it, it could have killed him it was terrible so watch that at your own discretion and those are the hall of fame presenters so next up we got a movie review for you guys i watched the ready or not 1996 nba draft documentary and i'm gonna be honest guys it's not the best one i've watched it's not even a top one I've watched. It's a great topic. Don't get me wrong. Nysix Draft deserves to have a documentary, obviously. I mean, you look at the players in it. Yeah, Allen Iverson, Ray Allen, Antoine Walker, Sharif Abdur-Rahim, Marcus Camby. These are out of order, by the way. <laughs> Don't expect that to be the draft order. Uh, Kobe went 13. Nash went 15. Um, Jermaine O'Neal went like 18. I believe. Uh, ben Wallace went undrafted, but that's still his draft class, which I'm, I don't want to say they're the best 
ever. The 84 draft is so good, but after it's all said and done, like, that's a tough debate. I'm, I'll have to look into that, and I will, I'll do that for a podcast sometime. I'll have to find a place for a right time to do that, but I really, that 84 draft was so good, but the night, we're on, we're talking about the 96 draft. Don't worry about it, but, um, yeah, not the best I've watched. Um, again, I understand COVID is a thing. You can't really do a documentary like you would normally would be able to but i don't know i'm not a fan of doing like zoom video for like your interview like alan iverson's set up like you could barely see him because like there was a red neon light behind him so it was weird and just like it felt off like they the thing is like of course i'm thinking about the last dance where they had 10 episodes to really cover everything the ready or not one it was two one hour parts even though they played them back to back i don't know why it just didn't put into one two hour but any i digress but this could have been really good if it wasn't for covid but unfortunately that's still a thing i don't know i'm really comparing it like the last dance is still fresh in my head i literally rewatched it a couple weeks ago it's that good but yeah i just wasn't really happy with it it was it was good to cover it all but i feel like they could have waited and it's not even because like nba tv did it nba tv has great documentaries like they did a 1984 documentary that draft they did the documentary on the dream team which is one of my favorites so like they can still make good documentaries just that it's the circumstances that really did it in so that's unfortunate and the other thing like it didn't really have that many compelling stories like all they the one thing i truly remember it's them talking about like the slam cover shoot and just alan iverson wasn't there and it was like where's ai where's ai but then alan iverson just says that he just he doesn't remember what happened so why you even include that they put it as like a teaser too so like why even include that and they kept going back to the story of john wallace because he was a senior who decided not to go the previous year into the draft and play a senior year at syracuse they made it to the final four and he fell because all this young talent was there like everyone started leaving early this is really like the true start of high school players really going because 1995 you had kg but he was like the only one so but then kobe went jermaine o'neal went and so many other people went after that 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 really became that until 2005 where they had to stop having high school players coming to draft so that really started the one and done era but but it was really interesting to see how and they had a bunch of seniors tell their story of how like they fell and how kind of upset they were but i don't know it's kind of like once you really hit that 21 to 22 year old age in the draft you kind of just like that's just really what you are like people now like freshmen and sophomores like they're kind of being drafted off of potential because like they're still maturing trying to get stuff right they're still need to learn the game but like 21 22 you're kind of set at where you are and it's really tough for someone to grow like they're obviously going to grow as a player but like to have continual growth and like they get less years out of you because most likely you're gonna if you're like a star star you're gonna retire at 40 but really not many that not many people last that long so yeah they're probably gonna have you for what five six years maybe that's even if you're like decent so that was really the start of that but they didn't really have that many other compelling stories like one story that i wish they would have told but i read it 
I luckily read it in the book Three Ring Circus, which is about the Kobe Shaq, Phil Lakers dynasty. Great book. I still need to finish it, but it's a great book. You should get it. But there's a story about Kobe's draft and how the Nets really wanted Kobe, but they're also looking at Kerry Kittles. Kerry Kittles' agent is David Falk. If you don't know David Falk, he's Michael Jordan's agent, or he was when he was playing. So, David Falk has a lot of power, per se, in the industry. John Calipari, who was the coach of Nets at the time, in his contract had the final say on the roster. So GM John King, I believe it was, he could suggest players, but Calipari had the final say. Calipari goes out to dinner with Kobe's parents, say, hey, your son's going to become New Jersey. We're really interested in him. David Falk hears this through the grapevine, I assume, and he calls up Calipari and he says, if you don't take carry, Good luck getting any of my players to come in the Nets. And then he hangs up. So Calipari's freaking out about this because he was in, it was like his first year coaching, so he really didn't know what was going on. So John King tries to tell him, dude, he's messing with you. Why don't we just take Kobe, this guy who's going to be great for us, instead of you being threatened to take Kerry Kittles? And so Calipari, he's... He mulls over it, and then eventually, like two hours before the draft, they have they have lunch with like the entire organization. I believe they're having lunch or dinner. And he stands up and says, I've decided that we're going to take Kerry Kittles in the draft. And John King was so upset about it. So I wish I would have told that story. There's probably a million other stories that I could have included, but that was the one I really wanted. But um, overall, the Ready or Not 1996 NBA Draft documentary, I give it a C+. It does its job, but I mean, could have had a lot more and it's kind of lower quality. So I'll give it a C+. Okay, now I unfortunately have to talk about Another death in the world of basketball. Bobby Slick Leonard, who, um, if you don't know who Bobby Slick Leonard is, um, please look him up. He was so important to, not only to Pacers basketball, but the state of Indiana. He played at IU. He won the national, he won a national championship for them based on his free throws that had him won the game. He played in the NBA for a little bit, ended up coaching the Pacers in the ABA, where the Pacers ruled the ABA. Three ABA championships in 1970, 1972, 1973. He had an ABA record, 69 playoff wins. Number one winningest coach in the ABA history. Five ABA finals appearances. Two-time All-American at IU. And what he's known for, he's hung up in the rafters of Baker's Life Fieldhouse. 529 wins as coach of the Pacers. Slick is an Indiana legend. I don't know how else to say it. He's a legend. I wish that... Oh, another thing he's known for. Whenever Reggie Miller, he's would hit a three, I believe... I only know Reg, he would do it for Reggie. He probably did for all the Pacers. Every time there was a three, he'd go, Boom, baby! Which is one of the most iconic phrases in the state of Indiana. Which I know that next time I do a basketball game here at Trine, I will say boom baby for three whenever it's made. So I will do that in honor of Slick. Um, I I actually met Slick Leonard at one point. I remember my grandma took me to Indiana Grand Racing Racing and Casino, which is what it's known now. I think back then it was Indiana Downs. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But there was a bunch of people there signing autographs for people. I have... There was one from Tom Crean, which I gave away because I didn't want it in my house. I have one from Rick Bettino, which I unfortunately didn't get to meet those two. They were in the bar area. The others were in the place where I was able to go. Um, had a whole slew of players from the Pacers back in the ABA. Darnell Hillman, Dr. Dunk, 
Mel Daniels. There's so many. I'll have to find the find that one. But um, Rupert from Survivor was there for some reason. Um, and then oh, and also the 1954 Milan team. They were there. Bobby Plum, Ray Craft, some of the cheerleaders. Uh, they were there signing autographs and. Slick Leonard was there, and I have a picture of Slick Leonard with that smile everyone knows and loves, and it says, um, I think it says, To Drew, Boom Baby, Slick Leonard. And I really wish I would have been one or two years older at that point. I, because, like, my grandma knew I liked basketball, but, like, I was more, like, into modern NBA. I was into Purdue back then. I still am now, but... It was more like just modern players. I didn't know the history of anything like I do now. So I unfortunately didn't know who they were. I only knew Darnell Hillman because I went to a camp of his. So I wish that um, when I met Slick that I would have been a couple years older because I swear if I was to if I were to meet him at some point when he was alive, I could have talked basketball with him forever, just asking him questions. What was the ABA like? What were all all the players you had were amazing. What were they like? And it's it's just it's I have no words for it. Like Slick meant a lot to the state of Indiana. I actually remember I remember the day that it happened. It was on a Tuesday. And um I was thinking earlier in the day walking to class because I'm always thinking about what I can do in broadcast and I was especially thinking about basketball because that's my sport you know and I was thinking like I need to incorporate something like boom baby into trying stuff so like I need to do something like slick and lo and, lo and behold that day he passed away um if you go to my twitter I have a post on Tuesday, um, just posting a video of his career retrospective. You can also look up his Hall of Fame speech. It's it's kind of a long one, but it is worth it. Um, Slick, I will miss you. The entire state of Indiana will miss you, and um, I have no words. So I want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Um, please follow me on Twitter and uh, check out the Storm Center pod where me and John K talk about trying sports we have a lot to talk about next week so be sure to tune tune into that and also uh follow chime broadcasting network all the links are in the description of the episode thank you for listening thanks for listening to this presentation of the trine broadcasting network part of the center for sports studies at trine university learn more at trine.edu